Good everyone and welcome to today's Living Life. I remember a while ago seeing a photo that someone shared online um, of a sign that was in front of a Japanese bathhouse in Japan. And the sign was basically saying, uh, we do not admit people with any tattoos on their body. You know, we apologize. Uh, but, and then it gave the, re the reason that they um, made this decision and it was because uh, they did not want uh, any persons uh, related to the Yakuza, the criminal um, organization, uh, into their bathhouse because uh, the people are afraid and they didn't want um, their customers to be afraid to create a safe environment. Uh, they you know, kindly ask anyone uh, who, is with, who has tattoos on their bodies not enter their premises. And, you know, I think in some sense, some people could be offended, especially foreigners, right, who, say, who might say, you know, my tattoo of my dog or whatever it is, whatever tattoo it might be, you know, of course it's not, doesn't mean that I'm part of the Yakuza. But for this operator, owner of this bathhouse, their conviction to be disassociated with this criminal, criminal organization was so strong that they didn't want any hint of an association to be within their bathhouse bath and especially for their customers. They wanted to protect their customers and to create a safe and peaceful environment. Uh, and I thought, you know, that was really interesting. Uh, and I think there is a deep, profound issue that is being expressed that I respect. And it's something that Christians uh, should be readily be able to identify with. So let's read the passage and then we'll continue. Deuteronomy chapter 14, verses 1 through 21. You are the children of the Lord your God. Do not cut yourselves or shave the front of your heads for the dead, for you are a people holy to the Lord your God. Out of all the peoples on the face of the earth, the Lord has chosen you to be his treasured possession. Do not eat any detestable thing. These are the animals you may eat, the ox, the sheep, the goat the deer, the gazelle, the roe deer, the wild goat, the ibex, the antelope, and the mountain sheep. You may eat any animal that has a divided hoof and that chews the cud. However, of those that chew the cud or that have a divided hoof, you may not eat the camel, the rabbit, or the hyrax. Although they chew the cud, they do not have a divided hoof. They are ceremonially unclean for you. The pig is also unclean. Although it has a divided hoof, it does not chew the cud. You are not to eat their meat or touch their carcasses. Of all the creatures living in the water, you may eat any that has fins and scales. But anything that does not have fins and scales, you may not eat. For you, it is unclean. You may eat any clean bird, but these you may not eat. The eagle, the vulture, the black vulture, the red kite, the black kite, any kind of falcon, any kind of raven, the horned owl, the screech owl, the gull, any kind of hawk, 
the little owl, the great owl, the white owl, the desert owl, the osprey, the cormorant, the stork, any kind of heron, the hoopoe, and the bat. All flying insects are unclean to you. Do not eat them. But any winged creature that is clean, you may eat. Do not eat anything you find already dead. You may give it to the foreigner residing in any of your towns, and they may eat it, or you may sell it to any other foreigner. But you are a people, holy to the Lord your God. Do not cook a young goat in its mother's milk. The issue that I was talking about in the introduction uh, for the bathhouse owner is one of identity, loyalty, and commitment. With the bathhouse uh, owner operator, I think that it, for him it was the disassociation with a criminal enterprise. And some of you may know uh, the yakuza; they are known for their, you know, very fancy and what is that overt tattoos all over their body that shows uh, who they are and where they belong to. And so that became such a strong part of their culture and identity uh, that in Japan, uh, tattoos are a huge, a bit of a taboo. And anyone with tattoos are, you know, sometimes kind of, you know, people are afraid of them because they have such a strong imprint uh, and image of the Yakuza who are, you know, very scary. Right? So they wanted, to be, they wanted there to be no confusion, no doubt that here uh, we want it to be a safe place, a place that is free of criminal activity and enterprise. And I think Christians have a lot to learn from this kind of mindset. While the food laws uh, you know, are no longer enforced or promoted uh, in the New Testament era, we should not you know, just be so quick and easy to dismiss them. Um, you know, because we can think about the why and the purpose that God had in mind when he gave the Israelites these things. And again, we're going to use the three questions uh, to help us understand this passage. What is God like? Uh, what do we learn about God in this passage? What is he doing in this passage? And what does God want us to do? So the first question, what is God like? Verse 1, it is very clear he is a father. God is a father. And then verses uh, 2 and 21, God is holy. That is why he is calling us, his people, to be holy. And in verse 2, uh, in the second half, God is sovereign. He is the one that chooses. He is the one that determines. Out of all the peoples on the face of the earth, the Lord has chosen you to be his treasured possession. Right? Even that word, possession reveals his sovereignty, that he can choose a group of people, an entire nation um, of people to be his possession, right? Because God is sovereign, right? He has the prerogative to choose the people as possession. And then in verses 3 to 21, like we have that huge chunk of passage talking about food, what is good, what is you know, not good, clean and unclean. Uh, we see that God is careful. I like to describe God is detailed. He is detail-oriented. Nothing escapes him. He is not ambiguous here at all. Now, granted, uh, there are some times and other places in the Bible where he is a little bit ambiguous, uh, and I believe those are for specific reasons uh, that we do not know of yet, right? So God is a father. God is um, careful, uh, and God is sovereign, right? Out of order. God is holy. I'm saying it out of order. But then what is God doing in this passage? 
First, he is teaching and instructing. Now, what is he teaching? What is he instructing? He is talking to, teaching a, a group of people who are to be set apart for him, set apart. God is setting apart a chosen people from all the peoples on the face of the earth to be different, right? And yes, to be different in even what they eat and how they eat these things. And a couple of days ago, I, we talked about in the importance of this, right? And, you know, in the end, we don't really know why and how important uh, the food regulations and laws are. But uh, a lot of people agree uh, that the dietary hygiene and safety um, of what God says in this passage and other places in Leviticus is actually very good, right? This is way ahead of its time, right? That because, you know, God is obviously, you know, sovereign, all-knowing, only now can we truly appreciate the wisdom in these laws during a time when they had no refrigerators, uh, you know, they had no way to pr preserve food and, and so forth. God already knew all these things and he was protecting his people. Some, pe uh, some animals that are deemed unclean uh, do need to be treated and prepared more carefully for human consumption and some are just bad overall. You know, we see it right now, some diseases and you know, you know what I'm getting at is a result of people being lax, being lazy, not being careful in the way that food is prepared. God is wise. God knew all of that. So even with you know, this kind of benefit, there must be more, right? And now we know uh, that God never intended to stay within the boundaries of Israel from the very beginning. Uh, even before there was Jacob, who was the father of all Israel, there was someone called Abraham. Right? And when he was called, he was to be blessed so that through his offspring, the world could be blessed. And now we have you and me. God has set you apart to be blessed so that you can be a channel of blessing for the world that does not know the blessing of life through Jesus. So what does God want you to do today? So what does God want you to do today? Simply put, to be different. To use a more scriptural phrase, uh, think to be holy, to be set apart, because that is what he has called us to do. And his in instructions for us are to be a chosen people that is to be set apart so that he can bless us and through us, the entire world can be blessed. Another question and, or another way and angle is, how, how possibly have you not been different from the world? I think that is also an important question for us. We are called to be different. And if people cannot tell that we are a Christian, there is something wrong. There is something wrong in the way that we are living. We are called to be different. Amen. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your word, for your laws, O oh God. Even in uh, the way and what we eat, O oh God. You are detailed, you are careful, and you care for us. Our quality of life, you protected your people those thousands of years ago, Lord, from various uh, diseases and viruses that could occur and, and come about, O oh Lord. And today, God, many people disrespect your word, have turned away and reject your word, your wisdom, your sovereignty, O oh God, your omniscience, your omnipotence, Lord. We return to you. We want to submit to you and follow your ways to be different, O oh God. 
as you are, as you are holy, may we be holy so that people around us can know, can have that, that inkling, that curiosity to know uh, what is different about us so that ultimately they can know you so that we can be a channel of your blessing. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Sing your soul, reaching your further and stepping in closer. See Jesus.